Hi, I'm Pastor Isaac, lead pastor of Shore Christian Church, and you're about to watch a sermon from our newest series, Stretch Marks. And this series is going to show you and teach you through the Word of God how to stretch your faith beyond what you think is possible. I hope this sermon blesses you, and if it does, uh, please send us an email. We love to hear from people that are touched by the sermons at Shore Christian Church. And also, if you want to give financially, you could do so on the link provided uh, so we could continue to, to do the Lord's work and get these sermons out to the people that need it the most. Thank you and enjoy. I, I feel like um, this, this series, this is going to be the last of this series, Stretch Marks. And I, I really feel that this was a really special one for a lot of people uh, as we started this new year off. And, and we started off the, the first Sunday uh, talking about how you hit a home run and you didn't even know it. And, and then we, we went to, uh, it's, a, it's a process and not a project. And sometimes the, if you have the right routine, the routine is your reward, not the results. And then last week we learned about the roundabout way. Who liked the roundabout way? Did that encourage you last week? I got just great feedback from people that that message really helped them because they felt a lot of times like I'm out of the will of God because I'm in the wilderness. I'm on a roundabout way. But a lot of times, and you see it through the text, it was the Holy Spirit that led them into the wilderness. And we're going to pick that up this week. If you will go with me in your Bibles or just read up on the screen to Exodus chapter 13. And verse 17, and it says, uh, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, even though it was shorter. But God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people the roundabout way in the desert towards the Red Sea, and the Israelites went up ready for battle. The Israelites were, we read it in the Old Testament, in bondage for over 400 years. And then Moses, the deliverer, God raised him up. He, he saw God speaking through a burning bush. It's crazy. It's weird. A lot of people think Moses was burning some bush, but it wasn't that at all. It, the bush was speaking to him. And it's telling him to go set my people free. And as that moment took place, Moses became a type of Jesus in the Old Testament as our deliverer. And he, he delivered the Israelites out of bondage. And when they came out of bondage, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit that, that manifested itself in a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day led them, not the shortest route, but on a roundabout route. And for 40 years, they were on that roundabout way. Uh, imagine the struggle that that would be like. Some of you maybe can relate to that. You've been on a roundabout way for years and decades now. And the Israelites, when they were uh, there for the 40 years, they complained about everything. They complained about not having enough water. They complained about not having enough food. They complained about how it was better back where they used to be. And, and, and Moses was, was having to deal with all of this murmuring, all this complaining for 40 years, even though God was providing for them. Every single day they would wake up and there would be a McDonald's breakfast waiting for them, manna from heaven every morning on the ground. They just had to go out and take it. And yet they didn't see the provision because they were so blinded by their own expectations. And so often we have spiritual amnesia of God's faithfulness to us every single day because it is not happening in the, in the way we wish it would and the timing that we wish it would. But yet God was faithful for 40 years. They never went hungry. For 40 years in the wilderness, they never went thirsty. And God 
God would do miracles and wonders and signs in that roundabout way for them until finally the time came where they were to go into the promised land. Finally, they had waited long enough. Finally, God had gotten the Egypt out of them. And now he's ready to take them into the promised land. But he doesn't do it through Moses. He does it through another man by the name of Joshua. And I just want to read this to you. It says, verse 6, Joshua chapter 5, verse 6. The Israelites had moved about the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised his ancestors, their ancestors, to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. And so here are the Israelites. Getting this, get this picture. 40 years in the desert. And they cross over into this beautiful, luscious land. This beautiful land with vegetation, with fruit. Uh, a, a land that they didn't have to get manna from heaven every morning. They could actually go out and pick their own food from the, from the crops because it was, it was a luscious land. And they cross over at the Jordan River, 40 years in the wilderness, and now they enter into their promised land. But everyone that came out of Egypt died in the wilderness because of their sin and because of their mistakes. And, and even Moses himself got frustrated that he disobeyed God. And, and God said, I can't, can't allow you to go into the promised land. A lot of ways, that's such a great picture of the law of the Old Testament. Is you, you have to live a perfect life if you want to get in. But then in the New Testament, we see this God-man named Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene I got to give you a little context for this sermon, so bear with me. Get this. This is good. Jesus comes on the scene, and he doesn't do one miracle. He isn't really read or talked about until he's 30 years old. And then he has his coming out party, Jesus does. Moses was the deliverer of the people of God out of bondage. Jesus is the deliverer of his people out of sin. And so Jesus has to do one thing before he gets started his ministry. What is that one thing that Jesus has to do before his ministry can begin? We read about it in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, if you go there now. Then Jesus came to Galilee, to the Jordan River. I, I researched this as much as I could. This is almost the same exact place where the Israelites had crossed the Jordan River to go into the promised land. Now Jesus is going into that same Jordan River to be baptized. And he goes into the Jordan and, and John the Baptist tried to deter him saying, I, I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then Jesus consented and John consented and said, okay, let's do this. And then Jesus was baptized. Why do I need to be baptized? Why do you need to be baptized? Because Jesus was baptized. And I want to follow in his footsteps. I want to walk like him. I want to forgive like him. I want to be able to have confidence and security like him. And I want to be baptized like Jesus. Jesus um, wasn't eight days old when he was baptized. Jesus was 30 years old when he was baptized because it was his decision. Uh, I'm not saying what your parents did for you when you were um, three days old or, or whatever, when you were baptized and sprinkled. I'm not saying that that wasn't good, but that was for your parents. That wasn't for you. That was their decision. That was not your decision. And baptism is about your decision. It's about a public decision. And what I love about what happened with Jesus is he did no miracles before his baptism. 
He laid hands on, on no one and they were recovered before his baptism that we read. But after he was baptized, all of a sudden, God unlocked new potential. New, he, he unlocked a whole new world for Jesus and his ministry began after his baptism. And God will do the same thing for you. There is power. There is something special about being obedient and, and being baptized as Jesus was. And then it says when, when Jesus went down in the water and he came back up, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. That is awesome. What I love so much about that is did Jesus do any miracles? No. Did Jesus lay hands on anybody before that moment? No. Did he go to the cross? No. Because God's affirmation and God's love comes before you perform. And the same thing happened with Jesus. And, and I would think that Jesus would go right into his ministry. He would be uh, anointed, baptized, the, the Spirit of God comes on him, and now he's ready to go right into Jerusalem and, and, and start his ministry and start preaching sermons and start, start doing miracles and, and all that. But no, that's not what happens. It's not what happens at all. What happens is very similar to what happened with the Israelites. The Israelites came out of Egypt and they went around the roundabout way. It says, chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus, who was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, led by the Spirit into the wilderness, for 40 days to fast and, and, and to be tempted. A lot of you may be in a wilderness spiritually. You may feel like you're on a roundabout way, but don't think that God has forsaken you on your roundabout way. Because if God led you in there, God will lead you out of there. And it might not feel good, but God will work it out for your good if you don't make a deal and compromise on your roundabout way. And what is amazing about this story is how the Israelites went from the desert, because the Jordan River on one side is the Arabian Desert. On the other side is, is the promised land with, with vegetation and flowers and, and, and olives and figs and it's beautiful. And, and so you, you look on one side of the river and it's complete desolation. It's dry. It's sandy. And so the Israelites, 40 years in death in the wilderness, and then they cross over into the life, into the promised land. But Jesus does the opposite. Jesus goes from life into death so that we can come from death into life. He says, I got to go back into the wilderness and finish what Moses started. Because where Moses failed and he fell to the temptation, I got to go to where man failed so that man can have victory through me. And so Jesus gets led into the wilderness, crosses the Jordan River from a life of, of lush fruit and a place where, where he didn't have to worry about where he would find his food. And he goes into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, it says he was tempted. And Satan came to him. Satan himself, verse 3 says, and says, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered and says, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but out of every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point in the temple. He says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written that he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Interesting how the devil knows scripture. And he, he will come to you and try and manipulate you like, like a, a, what do they say, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's who he is. You've got to be very careful. And then Jesus said, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then a third time, he took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of this world and their splendor. And all this I will give you, he said, if you will just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and angels came and attendeth his soul. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will help me to deliver this message in a way that can settle in our hearts, Lord God. That can speak to us wherever we are at this morning. Whether we're in a roundabout way or maybe it's coming in our future, Lord God that you will be able to give us the strength to keep going and not make a deal and not allow temptation to dominate our hearts. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, all right. The title of this morning's sermon, um, are you ready? I love titles. Titles are important. Is deal or no deal, you can't give me what I already have. Say that with me. Deal or no deal. You can't give me what I already have. All right, and so for that, if, if we could um, just if play, play the, uh, the deal or no deal music, and then we have uh, some, some lovely um, ladies that are going to bring out uh, some cases to help us illustrate this morning's sermon. Great job. Alana, Linda, Sterling, and Mary. <laughs> Love the hat, Linda. Beautiful. Thank you. And does anybody know what deal or no deal is? All right. Every, I, I hope everybody's seen it. I, I love it. It does give me a lot of anxiety, though. I'm not going to lie. You know, some of the decisions these people make are a little sketchy. You know, I got to wonder. You know, gambling addict, maybe. Um, one guy, you know, he had, he had a $750,000 case and a $1 case. Had a $500,000 deal. And he said, no deal. Went home with $1. I, I, I couldn't sleep that, and I just felt for the guy, you know. Uh, but this is a, a very, very you know, famous show. Um, I, I did not wear the bald head. I thought that would just be too much. You guys wouldn't be able to take me seriously enough. Uh, but uh, what you need in order to play deal or no deal is you need, you need a contestant, right? Yes? All right. So um, I, I thought what would be good uh, is to have a contestant. So if you can, uh, with a warm round of applause, welcome uh, this morning's contestant all the way from Belmar, New Jersey, the worship leader at Shore Christian Church, Miss Nicole Tillman. Come on, come on out here, Nicole. Uh, so she's going to help us play deal or no deal. And so to, to start the game, deal or no deal, what happens is um, the, the, the contestant will pick a case. And then after the contestant picks the case, uh, they will then open up other cases. And in the meantime, they will have a banker. I think the banker represents the devil. I'm just going to go there. I, I think like, like, like for today's example, the banker is, is the tempter. And the banker will try and get you to make a deal to sell the case that you choose. Are you with me? 
Do I need to go over that again? Say no, because I don't want to. Okay. All right. All right. So now I'm going to need, uh, Nicole, if you could go ahead and pick a case, one through four. All right. Shouldn't be too hard. Okay, she's going to take three. Yes, Jesus rose on the third day. Very biblical. I see where you're going with that. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, usually there's 30 cases. I thought that would be a, a big mismanagement of the church finances to purchase 30 cases. So I just went with four. So I hope you can appreciate that. <laughs> so we're giving out the annual reports this morning. Um, John Gens, the accountant's up there staring at me like this. Right. Um, all right, so you got number three. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, when, when you, you pick this case, this is your case. There are many like it, but this one is yours. And in this case, this is, this is what you have. You could go home with what is in this case because it is your case. You chose it. And I, I kind of want to, for, for this example, uh, tell you that every single one of you have a case. Every single one of you have a unique gifts that God has given you. Every single one of you has a unique journey that God has called you to walk on. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. And a lot of times you pick this case and, and then like Jesus or, or like the Israelites, uh, you start going on a roundabout way in life. It, it's just bound to happen. Uh, I believe the best picture of life is a heartbeat because without a heart, you can't have life. But when you look at a heartbeat on a monitor. It, it just looks like a perfect picture of life, doesn't it? You go up, and then you go down. And then you go up, and then you go down. Because that, that, that's kind of the way life is. It, it has its ups and downs. And a lot of times what happens is in the process, in the roundabout way, when you feel the, the, the weakness set in, you will be tempted to compromise. You will be tempted to make a deal and give up what God has uniquely given you to try and get what he is tempting you with. Because uh, to be honest, I'll, it's the greatest thing to serve the Lord, but it's not always easy. And I'm just going to kind of get up here with you guys. Um, because if, if you're honest with yourself, there will be moments where you will say, man, it might be better if I never even met the Lord. Because I see so many people who don't have the Lord in their life, and they look so much happier than me. I've, I've met people that they don't have the Lord at all, and, and, and they've been married for 20 years, and they, they seem so much more blessed, and I'm sitting here still single. I, I wonder, like the Israelites, if it would have been better if I was back in Egypt. And, and so often, when you're in the roundabout way, you are blinded to God's faithfulness in your life. Because you're just looking at your life in a picture, but there is more to the story. Your life is just not a picture of where you are today or where you were yesterday, but God is taking you somewhere, and there may be moments where you are on a low, where you will be tempted and, and be able to say, man, I would be better without the Lord, but the devil is a liar. Don't make a deal. Don't listen to that temptation, because what, what happens is the devil comes to you, and this is what he did. This is what he did to uh, um, Jesus, right? He came and tempted Jesus and said, why don't you, you're hungry, Jesus, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And so um, in deal or no deal, what happens is the contestant will now um, pick a case, pick a case, and open that case. And uh, what we're going to do is that contestant, Nicole, is going to have a chance to exchange her case for the one that she picks. So, uh, Nicole, which one, which one do you want to pick? Number three here. Let me hold on to that number three for you. Put it right here. We'll put it on the edge of the stage so, so nobody uh, um, touches it. Okay. So which one do you want, do you want to pick? 
Number one. All right, all right. Uh, open it up, Nicole. Open it up. You know how these are like hardcore, like like ransom money type of cases. Awesome. Okay. All right. All right. What what is that? All right. We got we got we got bread and we got we got some some stew. Not a great gift. Not not very good. But if, if, you've been, if you've been walking in the wilderness for 40 days and you haven't had one thing to eat or drink, that looks pretty good to me because I'm hungry, I'm starving, and I don't even know what's in this case. I can't see what's in this. I, I can't access it. And I, I, I feel like that may be a pretty good deal for where I'm at right now because I, I feel hungry because you're not yourself when you're hungry. You know, when, when, when you're hungry, you, you could be like uh, Lawrence Taylor turned into Elton John when you're hungry, right? Shout out Snickers commercials, uh, you know, because you make stupid decisions when you're hungry, don't you? I mean, if, if, if you're on a diet, any, anyone on a diet 2019? Yeah, they, they say that, the, <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> We're going to pray for you after service. You fell this week, didn't you? You got into the Briars ice cream, moose tracks. Uh, but what, what happens is if you, if you walk around hungry all day, you're not going to be making good decisions because 9 o'clock is going to come and you're not going to be going for the broccoli. You're going to be going for the Krispy Kreme donuts. It's just the way it is, the chips and salsa, the Cool Ranch Doritos because you're walking around hungry and you make bad decisions when you're hungry. There's a story in the book of Genesis of these two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And Esau was the oldest. He had this inheritance. He, he was the, the, the older brother. He had the birthright. And one day Esau was out hunting. And when Esau was hunting, uh, he, he got hungry. He didn't bring a snack with him when he, was, when he was out hunting. And he came back and saw his brother Jacob, the deceiver, making some beans, making some, some stew right here. And, and Esau comes and says, I'm hungry. I'm going to die. Give me some food. And Jacob says, all right, I'll make a deal with you. You sell me your birthright that you can't really have right now. And I'll give you this bowl of beans that you can enjoy right now. And Esau says, I'm so hungry. All right, I'll make that deal with you. Sells his birthright for a bowl of beans. What an idiot. <laughs> but you make decisions like that all the time. Because you're walking around hungry. You're walking around unfulfilled. You're walking around looking for other people to fill you up in a way that only God can. And when you walk around hungry and, and you want to stay pure, but you have these desires inside of you that, that, that are dominating you, that, that are trying to get you to compromise what you really want, but don't give up what you want most for what you want now. Because at the bottom of this bowl is regret. And Esau can sit there and he, he's eating it and it's, it's good. But at the bottom of that bowl, all he is thinking about is the regret of the decision and the deal that he made to give up his future, to give up his destiny, to give up his purpose and his calling for a bowl of beans. Short-term short gratification will always lead to a lifetime of pain. Yeah, you need, you need to write that one down. 
Young people, you need to write that down because you grow up and you think it's all about today. It's all about how I feel today. It's all about what people are saying about me today and how I'm perceived today. And so you walk around hungry because you're looking for other people to feed you and you start making some dumb, short-sighted decisions with your integrity, but that's not who you are. You need to realize that God is taking you somewhere, that you have a spiritual inheritance, that you have a destiny, that you cannot make a deal to give up. Do I hear an amen? So, Nicole, deal or no deal? Absolutely not. That's the button, right? That's the button. No deal, right? No deal. So this is what happened in the Bible. You could put that back. Is that Jesus turns to Satan. I love this. And he's got the beans right in his face. And Jesus says to him, I love this. Man does not live on bread alone, but out of every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I don't live off of what comes out of the mouth of men. I don't internalize what people say about me. My integrity, who I am, what I live on, what I breathe on is every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That I know that the grass may wither, the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord shall last forever that some trust in horses some in chariots some in bowls of beans but I trust in the name of the Lord that is my strong tower that when I run to it David said I am safe what do you live off of I want to be a man that is able to live off of the word of God what God says about me I put more weight on than what people say about me can you say that about your own life can you live your life not worried about what other people are saying about you but say I get my strength the joy of the Lord is my oh come on you guys got to know your Bible better than that the joy of the Lord is my that's right no deal and then this is what Satan does. Says, all right, I couldn't get him to, to crack there, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And, and Satan, he takes him up to the temple and says, Jesus, Jesus, I, I, I want you to, to jump off this temple because you could, you could have angels just catch you. You could show everybody who you are. You could show off and, and, and just, just let the angels catch you. That was the second time. So, Nicole, why don't you pick another one, uh, another case, and uh, tell us what, uh, what's inside of it. Case number four. What do we got in this one? What, it, what, what is that, Nicole? Olympic Some Olympic medals. Yes, I robbed Michael Phelps last night. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I'll bring him back, I promise. Medals. What this box represents is recognition. What basically Satan is saying to Jesus when he's taking him up on the temple, saying, why don't you jump and have your angels catch you? He's basically saying to Jesus, prove it. Prove who you are. Prove to everybody that you are who you say you are. And what, what is interesting, what is so weird is, is why, why would Jesus have to Prove it. To, I, I just had my father in the waters of baptism tell me who I am, 
This is my son in whom I am well pleased, in whom I love. And if he said it in the waters, then he's going to say it in the wilderness. But a lot of times we forget what God said to us in the waters of baptism. We forget what God said to us on a Sunday morning because we're walking through the wilderness on Wednesday and Thursday. But I want you to know if God said it on Sunday morning, if God said it in the waters of baptism, he is it in the wilderness to you. And so many people, this is, this is one of the biggest deals that we make. One of the biggest compromises that we make when we're on the roundabout way. And, and we feel like, like, like we're struggling right now and, and I'm, I'm starting to lose my identity. And, and then you think who you are is based off of where you are right now. I'm in the wilderness. And so now I have to prove it to everybody else that my circumstances aren't who I am. So I, I got to prove it to my ex that, that, that I'm worth it. I got to prove it to, to my father that, that, that I am a good son, that, that I'm more than what you said to me as a kid. I got to prove it to my dad that, that, that I'm, I am good. I, I am a good worker. And so you live your whole life trying to prove it to your dad and, and it's never going to be good enough. If you didn't win his recognition back then, what do you think that you're going to do to win it now? And you base your whole well-being based off of proving yourself to other people. I got to prove it to the church that, that I'm good, that I'm, that I'm sober. And, and so sometimes you fabricate stories to make you, your, yourself look better than you really are because you think that you have to prove it to other people. Let me tell you, you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. The law says prove it. Grace says he already did. That he proved your worth when he sent his son to die on a cross for you. Bible says silver and gold are not enough to show your value. But the blood of God's son shows your worth. So you are able to live from a place of acceptance, not for acceptance. That you know that I am loved just as much today, five days sober, as I am five years sober. I am loved just as much today, the day after I got divorced, than I was 30 years married. He loves me the same today than he did yesterday. I don't have to prove my worth at all. I know what my father says about me. And that, as a pastor, is one of the most difficult things that I have to deal with is I see so many people, and, and sometimes I get caught up in this as a pastor, trying to prove myself. And I found that my life is so depressing when I feel like I have to prove myself as a pastor. That maybe if we go to two services, then maybe I'm a good pastor. You know, maybe if uh, we, we're able to reach more people, then, then, then I'm, I'm proving myself as a pastor. That is such a depressing way to live. And there were moments where, where I, I, I was there where I felt like my worth came based off of the success of our church. And those are some of the most sleepless nights that I ever got. 
thinking that it maybe if I did this, maybe if I did that, and I can't sleep because I'm trying to prove myself, but the greatest thing that I ever got set free of, and, and you know what? It is a process because this is something that we go through in our life, but I, I know what I want to be. I want to be able to know that no matter what, no matter how I perform, I know that I am loved. No matter what I do in this life, I know that I have a heavenly Father that affirms me, that loves me, that I don't have to prove myself to anybody else. I don't have to try and be anybody else. I don't have to try and be like any other preacher, any other pastor, but I could just embrace the case that God has given me, that I don't have to make a deal to give up what God has put inside of me. And the same is true for you. If you could just embrace who God has called you to be and what is in your case, you will stop losing sleep at night. Who wants some of that? Who, who wants to be able to sleep good at night? I do. And so Jesus says, thou shalt not test the Lord your God. Is that a, a deal or, or no deal, Nicole? That's a no deal. That's a no. I, I choose God's approval over man's approval. Put that case away. And then lastly, the devil takes Jesus to a high place. And he looks down and he sees all the kingdoms of this world. He sees all the buildings, all the wealth. All, he sees it all. And says to him, if you will just bow down and worship me, I will give you all of this. And if you could just open up that last case, Nicole, because I believe this represents one of the biggest deals that Satan tries to make with us in the roundabout way. Is, uh, these are real diamonds. I jacked them from Bentley Diamond, Route 35. I will return them, though. I will. I promise. All right. Um, this, is, this is one of the things that we will compromise for on the roundabout way. So many times. It is our integrity. Let me tell you something. If you have to compromise your integrity to get something, that just means you were never meant to have it. God would never want you to ever have something if you have to compromise who you are and your standards and God's word in order to get it. And Satan took Jesus up to, to the highest mountain and said, I'll give all this to you if you just bow down and worship me. I believe what Jesus was, was thinking. He didn't say it, but I believe this is what he was, he was thinking is, those kingdoms are mine it's just a matter of time. I, I just got to go through some stuff, but, but that God, God is going to bring forth that in my life. That on the cross and through the resurrection, I'm going to be able to go down in the depths of hell, Satan, and I'm going to defeat you on that day. And I'm going to snatch back the keys of life and death and the kingdoms of this world. And the Bible says in Psalms chapter 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That you know what? I might not have it yet, but it's just a matter of time. And I believe that it is an in-season word 
for somebody this morning is you don't have to cut corners. You don't have to compromise your integrity to get something. If you just stay faithful in the roundabout way, it is going to come. God is gonna bring it forth in your life. You don't have to compromise for it. You don't have to make a deal to get it. You don't have to make a deal for wealth in order to keep up with the Kardashians or whoever you try and compare yourself to. You just have to be you, chase the dream that God put inside of your heart and all of the kingdoms, all the desires of your heart, all the fulfillment will come on the way. It's just a matter of time. I'm not making a deal for wealth and something that's just going to separate me further from, I think it's going to help my family, but it's actually going to hurt your family because you're teaching your kids that wealth is more important than integrity. <laughs> what do you think they're going to do? I close with, with this story. Thank you so much, Nicole. That was awesome. And we're going to open up the last case in just a second. Um, I close with, with this story. I'm going to sit down and tell this to you. Is this okay? Is this sermon okay? This morning. I, I hope it's blessing you. We started this series by showing you a video of this guy who hit a home run and didn't even know it. Remember that? And, and I believe that represents some of the things that we have that we don't even know it inside of us. That what, what is in our case, what is God has blessed us with, we don't even see because we're so focused on other people and what they have and what I want that we don't even realize the diamonds that we have in our own life. And this is a true story I, I shared with my life group this past Thursday, and it blessed everyone there, and I want to share it with you guys. And it's a true story uh, that this man, his name was uh, Roger Conwell. He wrote in a book, Roger Conwell was the founder of Temple University in Philadelphia. And he used all the proceeds from this book that he wrote to actually start and fund Temple University. And this book was centered around uh, this story. Uh, the book was called Acres of Diamonds. And it was centered around this true story of a, a man who lived in South Africa. And he was like a lower middle-class man. He, he owned a farm. And he had a plow and he had oxen and he would, um, you know, till the land and he would grow crops and he would feed his family and he would sell some of the crops to the villages. And, and he, he was happy with his life. He was content. He wasn't a millionaire. He didn't have diamonds everywhere, but he was happy with his life and with his family uh, until this one man came into his village, his area, and started telling these tales of these diamond mines, these diamond discoveries that were taking place in India and in other places in the world. And he said, people are, are going from nothing to, to millionaires just like that. It's incredible. Uh, they're finding diamonds the size of, of, of people's fists. And this man all of a sudden thought, this was, this was my moment. And he thought, you know what, I've tilled this land, I've, I've lived this life for, for so long, and, and I want to go for it. I want to I uh, take this gamble. And so he, he sold his whole farm, took the money that he sold and put his family up in a, in, in a really small shack and took the rest of the money and funded his trip to India. And when he got to India he realized that he was always a step behind. Every time he would, he would hear of where they were finding diamonds, he would go there and he would be too late. Until finally he got so depressed, ran out of money, that he, he wrote this letter to his family. I'm sorry, there's no diamonds anywhere. I failed you, goodbye. 
and he jumped in a river and killed himself. Family gets that letter and it's, it's terrible. Worst part of the story, or the best part of the story, however you look at it, was the, the man that he sold his farm to took the same ox and the same plow and the same barn and he began plowing and he began growing crops and he would find these black rocks as he was plowing and they were so big that they would get in the way of the plow and he would have to push them off to the side. And there was this one that was so big that he couldn't even push it to the side and, and when he picked it up, he saw that when the light would hit it, it was like a prism. And, and he said, this is beautiful. I'm, let me put it inside my house. And so he took the, the diamond and, and, and put it inside of his house. Didn't realize it was a diamond. I, I kind of blew that one. <laughs> you guys probably wouldn't have known anyway. But later on, he didn't know what it was. There was a, a priest that came. And uh, as he was, the priest was in the home, he recognized as the light was hitting it what that was. And it was black. You couldn't see it, but he said, if you heat that up and if you cut it, there's a diamond inside of there. Uh, it, was, it was a 425-carat diamond, that one. And the craziest part is he said, well, the, there's rocks everywhere. And so him and the priest go out, and, and they're finding black, these rocks everywhere. And history records this was the greatest diamond discovery in the history of the world up until that point. It's the only place in the world where they have blue diamonds is in this diamond mine. And the man that had it the whole time thought he had to go somewhere else to find it. He had to go across the world to find fulfillment when it was in his own home all along. I say that as an encouragement and a warning to people. That don't think that you have to go somewhere else to find fulfillment. You, you have to find it in wealth or find it uh, in, in, in this exciting adventure. And you forget what God has already given you. The family that God has already given you. The job that God has already given you. I'm not saying you don't, you don't go after a, a new job or a better job. But I'm saying don't forsake your integrity and compromise what God has put in you for something that you had all along. The greatest riches in the world are the ones that you go home to every single day. Amen. The greatest riches in the world are the churches that you get to come in every single Sunday and get to hear the word of the Lord in a non-judgmental way. Don't ever forsake the diamonds that God has already given you in your life. Because if you don't, it'll never be enough. Worship team, you guys can come. Uh, if, if you're able to, just stand to your feet. I'm going to stand up as well. And what I find interesting is that when you open up what God has given you, I believe that you'll have it all, all along. That you hit a home run and you didn't even know it. That you don't have to go somewhere else to, to find happiness. You don't have to go in another marriage to find happiness. You don't have to go to another job to find fulfillment. God says, you know what? I have something for you right where you are today. If you will just open your eyes 
and see it. There's a story that I talked about last week of Jesus on the cross. And as Jesus is on the cross, there's one thief to his right and one thief to his left. And they're both looking at the same Savior, but one of them says, Jesus, you're, 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 if you're the Son of God, save us. You're, you're, you're trash. You're, you're, you're nothing. You're just like us, Jesus. And the other thief looking at the same cross says, Jesus, save me, for I am a sinful man. And in that moment, both looking at the same thing, but see something completely different inside. I pray that when you look at what God has given you, that you could truly appreciate it. Not always longing for other things, but realize, man, I am so blessed right here, right now. That I've hit a home run and I didn't even know it. Let's bow our heads right now. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. Father, I, I pray for anyone this morning that is being tempted. Tempted in their roundabout way. Tempted to compromise their integrity. Tempted to give up what you've put inside of them for a quick fix, for short-term pleasure, and sell their inheritance. God, I, I pray for anyone that is trying to impress other people. I feel the word from the Holy Spirit is to speak specifically to people in here who are trying to impress their father. That one of the greatest roots of bitterness and greatest struggles that you have is you're trying to impress your father by living this life. I want to be able to set you free this morning. That your father might not see the diamonds in your life and the value in your life and, and who you are but God does. And he says to you the same way. He said to Jesus as he baptized his son, this is my son, this is my daughter in whom I love and in whom I am well pleased. You don't have to prove yourself to other people any longer. Receive that confidence this morning. There is so much confidence and security that you could have when you can realize, I don't need to prove it. I don't need to prove myself any longer. God, set us free. Set them free this morning. Heal that relationship with their father. I pray that as they, they, they cast those, those weights down, that they could actually have that real genuine relationship with their father because they're not living to try and prove themselves to him anymore. But living just to prove it to an audience of one and that's you God and we know where we stand with you I hope that sermon really blessed and encouraged you and if it did and you want to support our ministry so we can help these sermons get out to more people please go to the giving link in the description button below this video please subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can get instant updates when we upload new sermons and testimonies God bless